Welcome in, everybody. This is the Coast to Coast Football Podcast. One of the reasons we call it Coast to Coast. We like to cover everything, for one thing. But two, I'm in Atlanta, and this guy right here, Nick Kendall, who is, uh, you know, having his daddy day struggles already, <laughs> uh, is uh, is in Seattle. So we are Coast to Coast. Yeah, well, welcome in, everybody. We've had a huge week uh, at Senior Bowl, and thanks to a lot of you for being with us from the beginning Stuff's really popping. It's really growing. Really appreciative. Um, and a big reason is guys like John Harrell. Look at John coming in here with the uh, with the big hot pink fuchsia super chat. $50. Certainly appreciate it. Coming in from Gallup, Minnesota. Well, that's cool. It's actually probably cold. Um, I'm sure if anybody ever asks you, I'm a, I am feel like I'm a Minnesota native now. Just I'm a huge fan of John Sanford and the, 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 the Virgil Flowers. Um, the Lucas Davenport, now the Letty Davenport novels, I've probably read 50 of them, and most of them are kind of based in out of Minnesota, so very cool. Didn't know you are from up there. He says, I saw an article where the Falcons get Russell Wilson and draft, draft Bo Nix. Have you seen this? Um, I mean, we've talked about it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things right now where, you know, I, I, John, if I look hard enough, I can pretty much find any, somebody has written something about everything. Um, so, you know, is it a possibility? It because because what we said, and hell, I was talking with spent a lot of time this weekend with Kevin Knight, Falcoholic, and um Aaron Freeman, locked on Falcons. We we spitballed a lot of stuff, and you know, we talked about Russell Wilson being a possibility. Um, and if it was, I would still want to draft a young quarterback. So it, if my three quarterbacks might end up being who I drafted, Russell Wilson and Desmond Ritter for two more years on his rookie deal. So possibility yes absolutely um is it a probability i would say no, at this point no um especially at eight. there's there's guys there's just no way i'm taking bonix at eight um if if he's if he's still around in the second which i think might be a long shot also maybe but there's no there's just no wicks no way i'm taking bonix at eight yeah he just, I don't know, I don't see it uh, from the eight overall, but the the practices themselves are a little overrated for the quarterback. Uh, it's really more of the, the whiteboard sessions and the meetings, and apparently he's a pretty smart guy. Uh, you, you hope he'd see a thing or know a thing or two by now, having the most starts of any college player in college football history. Maybe that's just quarterbacks, but I think it's any player. Uh, so uh, that's a, you, he should have seen a thing or two by now, but yeah, not at eight overall. Scott, would you be considering, you know, the Falcons are going to have three day two picks, package two of those maybe to move back up to pick 29 to get him that fifth year option? Because I'm with you, eight, top, even like top 20, I'm like, oh, man. But that's that last part of the first round uh, is definitely an area that I, I would at least be potentially interested in. At this point, I'm starting to think the fifth year option for quarterbacks is nonsense anyway. Um, yeah, that's true. You know, I mean, it, it really hit. is. It, you know, I bookmarked this because I, 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 I looked it up. I'm like the fifth year option on, let me see here. Who's a quarterback that went high on Trey Lance. The fifth year option was if, if he had made a pro bowl is $31 million. The fifth year option on Zach Wilson and Trey Lance will be 19. The reason why is because they didn't earn even the playing time incentives. The playing time incentive for a quarterback becomes 22. Now, Trevor Lawrence, the number one overall, you know, when you're talking about that level, you're thinking, okay, you might not make a Pro Bowl because the Pro Bowl jumps. It's a $10 million bonus on your fifth year option for a quarterback from $21 million, from $22 million to $31 million. That's nine, I know. So for $32 million, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna worry about it. I'd rather have a draft pick and take the risk that I need to spend an extra five million dollars on a new contract where I could probably lower his cap fee anyway. So the fifth year option for me on quarterbacks has become now that I've learned how it works with it doesn't matter if you're drafted one or 32, the fifth year option is the same dollars. Piss on the fifth year option, man. For quarterbacks, no, I don't care. It's not it's not worth moving up into the 31 to 32 spot to get a quarterback for the shot of having a fifth year option. Not for me, man. I'd just as soon extend him earlier if I if I like him. And and if I I want to do that. And then I saw the franchise tag, which isn't going to be that much more than a $32 million fifth year option. Ooh, I don't know about the, for a quarterback. I don't know about that, but, um, but for me, like three to five, isn't a huge money. I mean, it's still, it'd still be in the forties. 
it's worth yeah. the risk to me. I'd rather have another high pick than what it would take to move up it back up into the first round. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously that's outside the context of moving up into the first round because that's the range he's going to go and you need him. It's, it didn't matter if it was a fifth year option or not mm-hmm. for your point, which I understand. I mean, you do have a little bit more leverage if you have that ability with you right. talk about extending them. Well, if we don't get it done, we can place that fifth year option on you. Uh, but yeah, I think it's certainly possible. Um, it's uh, if you were interested in him, you know, trading back up into the first round to get him given considering what your lack or your level of picks are right now in the top 100. But again, eight overall, I don't see it. I think the more likely one, the more interesting one is uh, Russell Wilson to Atlanta with the infrastructure they have there, you know, not picking in the top three in this draft class. Uh, you have a chance to bring in somebody. And at this point, let's call it, it was this Russell Wilson is a good bridge quarterback, a good bridge quarterback, but uh, you're probably not going to get more than two, three years of average to above average play from him at this point. Uh, and again, that's just a bridge. He's a quality bridge. And if you're thinking about, you know, five, six years from now, you're thinking too far. Right now, I think, you know, the Atlanta Falcons, who haven't been in the playoffs since 17, you, you'd take good to a, above average for the next two years and then figure it out. You, you'd you be happy with that. Again, if you go after Russell Wilson, that's fine. He's going to be cheap. Draft a guy anyway. They wouldn't. Russell Wilson wouldn't prohibit you from how you build your team anyway. Uh, Aaron Rodgers might. You know, I might not take. I got one year Aaron Rodgers. He's, you know, if, if he comes back. Would the Jets take a quarterback? Probably not. They might want to take the best guy they think can help them win right now, even if it's like a running back. You know, they might be the guy that says, we need a win now prospect. Who's it going to be? They might take one shot, but Russell Wilson wouldn't be that guy. If you liked your quarterback in the first round, you could sign Russell Wilson for a million five and still take him. Good question. Want to say good morning to Steve Kennedy. Happy Groundhog Day. Enjoy your senior bowl coverage. It is also his birthday, so happy birthday. We will see you uh, later this evening, Pops. So happy birthday, Groundhog's Day. Here it is again. You know, it's like Groundhog's Day. Uh, Quentin Caldwell says, good morning, everyone. Good morning to you. Appreciate the support for the show, my friend. Uh, and I'm glad we're in here. I've, I've said before I need a workout buddy because when I was like, oh, Nick's not going to do it. I'm fighting the spreadsheet. I'm looking at video. I just just got out of bed. I don't want to do this. And he's like, how about we go at, at, at nine 30? I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> and then how about nine 40? Cause I got blown out on, but yeah. <laughs> yep. So I'm glad, I'm glad you, you can, you need a workout buddy. It's like, I, I kind of joked with the guys yesterday. I'm like, I don't mind letting myself down. I've been dis- disappointing myself my whole life. I don't want to let him down. I don't want to let y'all down. So appreciate you being here. Chase says, appreciate the content fellas. And we appreciate you being here. Uh, I am. Once we get out of here, we'll, we'll, we're going to talk uh, stock. Us, this, this, the, the title of the show is Stock Up, Stock Down uh, from the Senior Bowl. And, and that's always a relative term because it's relative to where you think they were to begin with for them to be up or down. You know, if I were to say, man, Jackson Powers Johnson was, man, his stock's way up. Scott, he was like top five. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> well, then he solidified that spot. He's, he's even. Um, you know, you take those, the, you take some of those, uh, surveys did they did we meet or exceed expectations well you only met them which is in the middle grade but i had high expectations for you you know so it's it's it is all relative so we'll get to those guys uh and i will start cranking out some uh some senior bowl some probably some skill player videos today and i might do some more some more quarterbacks um but those will start coming between five and seven a day probably for the next two weeks is, is what I'm looking for. So I want to try and get 80 or so over the next uh, over the next two weeks and, and get that nailed out here early part of February. So Chase, thank you. Edward Brown, um, thank you to you as well. Um, Edward Brown says, just curious, how much is Justin Fields due on his contract? Um, his, his contract isn't much because he's in the fourth year of his deal. Um, it's like 10 million, I would think. It's going to be, you know, less than Kyle Pitts. Uh, but then his, uh, his fifth year option, like I said, is very different. And th- we had this conversation, you know, last week, Nick, would you pick up his fifth year option or not? Um, you know, the, the, uh, the Kyle Pitts who has made a pro bowl, his fifth year option is 10.5. And then Justin Fields, who has not made a pro bowl and who was drafted seven spots later, his fifth year option is $22 million. 
Dude, that's broken. That is, I'm, I'm on, I, I get an agenda. I get on these soapboxes. This is one of these for me now. Well, it's positional based. The draft's not. Your first, your first contract's not. Your first contract is based on where you are drafted. Position be damned. This is an option on your first contract. That was where you were drafted. That's how the fifth year option should be. So Kyle Pitts has a 10-5. Justin Fields has a 22 on his fifth-year option. If I traded for Justin Fields, I would not pick up his fifth-year option. I would gamble. I'd roll the dice. And if yeah. I had to pay him $40 million because he balled out and I lost $20 million, guess what? I made $20 million in playoff and merchandising and all that kind of stuff because my team was elevated. Yeah, I, I'm with you that it is broken. I do think that the quarterback should be elevated in their fifth year option, but not to the extent where it's a, you know, two times as much, you know, maybe add like a 15% increase on what the, the base would be based on your draft slot. But uh, yeah, as far as Justin Fields, uh, I wouldn't extend that fifth year option just because he's been so injured and it's a hundred percent injury guaranteed now. Uh, so I would not be looking to make that move. And if he, if he balls out, like you said, just give him the new deal, you know, mm -hmm. that's, that's a good problem to have. Yep. Uh, you're you're in a position where you have the ability to do, commit to something like that. So um, I don't think that uh, I would do that just because the risk is uh, the risk for the injuries higher than the risk of him playing well and having to give him a new contract. Yeah. Again, it's like, oh, man, you could have had him for 20 million on the fifth year and it's going to cost you next 20. Fine. If he plays like a 40 million dollar quarterback for your team next year, that's a good thing. That means you got. $40 million worth of value on a $10 million deal. <laughs> and also you have the, the, what's the difference? I mean, it's, what is a difference between the tag and that fifth year option on the quarterbacks? Probably again, 10, $12 million for one season. I just think that, you know, the, that's not guaranteed, you know, that's not the injury guaranteed. So you well, have that in your pocket. And here's the thing to remember for this also is his, his contracts are guaranteed and it's based on signing bonuses, et cetera, which don't travel over. His base salary for 2024 is just $1.6 million, and he's got a roster bonus of $1.6 million. So the most you would be in for is $3.2 million. Well, there's your savings. I wouldn't pick it up. Um, we saw the Panthers do that with Sam Darnold, who was overdrafted to begin with. Um they saw, they traded for him. They immediately picked it up, and then they ate a twenty. And then they they benched him and, and just had a twenty five million dollar quarterback. And I don't remember if they cut him or not, but they um, you know, then they they ended to eat eat that fifth year deal. They didn't want him. Just hold out. If he plays that great, fine, find the money. Rusty Morris says I got a new want. Trade for Fields, draft a Dunze, thirty points per game. Wouldn't be a bad way to go. And then you've got some free agency money to spend uh, to, to help fortifying your defense. Um, that wouldn't be a bad way to, do, to go for the Atlanta Falcons or really for anybody that needed a quarterback. Wouldn't be a bad way to go for the Denver Broncos if uh, if they're sitting there at, you know, at 12 also. New Orleans I Saints, if they're looking for a quarterback. I don't expect a Dunze to fall past pick nine uh, right now based on what I've heard. I think Chicago uh, is his floor. Uh, he's probably the second best overall well-rounded wide receiver in this draft. Malik neighbors has a little bit more of a trump card with the explosive playability and the speed, but Adunze is just, he's a, he's a dude, man. He is so good. He plucks the ball. Uh, you see that come in there and there's absolutely like, once it hits his hands, there's absolutely no movement on it. Uh, contested catch outside the frame. Uh, he's also extremely gifted as a route runner, despite his size. And uh, probably that my favorite blocking wide receiver in this class, which I know is auxiliary, but like, Damn, like that's you have to have a little bit of something in you to be play pissed off where you're blocking guys out there and that's part of your game. And he's he blocks his butt off. Uh, so that would be a fun uh, get for the Falcons, no doubt. I don't know if you guys would be going for wide receiver again in this class, but I mean, for the top nine players in this class, our pass catchers at the end of the day, take take good players. Uh, you're not sure how long Kyle Pitts is going to be here outside of Drake London. You know, your wide receiver room is very questionable. And uh, you'd have a chance to really reset and uh, do some stuff, bringing in Fields and Adunze. So I would not be against it at all. Uh, any of the top three non-Marvin Harrison pass catchers, if they're the best player on your board when you're picking at eight, so be it. I, I think they're valuable enough, and uh, these guys are impact players enough that uh, I'm not as worried about the 
how it looks, you know, taking another skill position guy. If they're Two good, things. They're good. Um, the wide receiver room isn't questionable. It's empty. They've got one guy under contract and Drake London. That's it. So they have to go wide receiver. They have to go get some wide receivers. Um, they could probably, the thing is like, oh, they could bring back these guys. Well, the reason why they could bring back the guys they had is because they didn't do very well. You know, so you're looking for upgrades over last year. So you've got that opportunity. Uh, and the second thing is when you talk about blocking, I think you've heard me say before, you know, and this isn't my phrase, obviously, you know, oh, you can't measure someone's heart. That gets said all the time. Okay. But one of the things I started saying when I started scouting them guys was, but by God, you can tell if someone's got one or not. Mm -hmm. You find me a wide receiver who blocks his ass off. I've got a wide receiver that won't quit on you. I've got one that runs all his routes when, you know, ever he'll go hundred percent every single, whether he's getting the ball or whether he's not getting the ball. That's a team player up here. I want to go up here and point it on my chest. That's a guy that's got a ticker. You say, I can't measure the guy's heart, but I can damn sure tell if he's got one or not. Watch how he reacts when he doesn't have the ball. Is he putting in his assignments? Is he blocking? Is he doing all those things? That's, that's a sign right there. And we've, we've seen some talented guys that we've questioned their, their ticker, their want to out there. So that's something to, um, that's while, you know, you said it's kind of an ancillary benefit to having him block, but it, it tells you more about the player than just what you will get from, oh, he's a good blocker downfield, which is a good trait, but it tells you more about that player as well and what you're going to get out of him on a down-to-down, week-to-week basis when the chips are down, fourth quarter, not getting the ball, bad conditions. It, it's it's one of those things to look for as well. Darius Mayfield, good to see you, my friend. Appreciate the super chat. He says, would you consider a guy like cornerback Terrian Arnold at eight, given the new direction of the Falcons coaching staff, being that you went from uh, Arthur Smith and a, a run-heavy heavy offensive coordinator to Raheem Morris, who was a defensive backs coach, uh, is bringing in a defensive coordinator in Jimmy Lake, who is a defensive backs coach, um, and is uh, you know the the new direction of the staff. Would you consider a corner at eight, Nick, for the Atlanta Falcons? Yeah, I think Arnold is a caliber player that he's going to be very much in the conversation. Uh, he's been pretty continuously mocked here recently by the big wigs to the Broncos at twelve. But all the comments under that are like, "Man, I really wanted to get this guy in earlier, but I couldn't fit him in there with all these other players." Uh, and it does seem like the turning point for the first defensive player off the board in this class has been that eighth overall pick with the Falcons. A lot of times it's been Dallas Turner, but maybe it's not Dallas Turner in the end. Maybe it is Terry and Arnold. Arnold is a player that I noticed pretty quickly when watching Alabama, because the guy who came in with all the hype this season was Cooley McKinstry, who's a good corner zone, right? I don't think he's supremely athletic. I'm worried maybe he's a little bit more of a cover three kind of guy, uh, but you watch uh, Alabama. It's like, okay, I see I'm watching cornerback number one, who the hell is wearing number three because that dude is just <laughs> all over the place. Uh, I don't want to say it's uh, – I don't know if it's the level of Devon Witherspoon, but it's kind of that more compact frame, and it's just like there's an energy on the field where it's like you you if you're not watching him, you're going to end up watching him uh, because he is making that many plays in the ball and the twitch and the suddenness flying in there, the physicality. Um, really, really good player. I know he's a really highly recruited safety that transitioned to cornerback. I think he's got inside outside ability. And again, just an energy player. Uh, I'm curious to see how he looks in the senior, or excuse me, in the combine drills, because I think he is so smooth, but also sudden and twitched up at the same time that, you know, his, his drills running the field and everything are going to be probably the best of any of the cornerbacks out there. Uh, so at eight overall, yeah, I think that's fine. I think Daniel Jeremiah said that he wouldn't be shocked at all. At some point, he's going to have a mock draft coming up here where he's going to mock Tyrion Arnold to the chargers at five. Cause he thinks he's that caliber of a cornerback prospect. So watch out for him. I think he's definitely somebody that we have not talked about much on here, but we should be uh, with the Falcons at eight overall. Yeah. We've talked corner at eight, the last couple of years between sauce Gardner, and then and Derek Stingley, I don't think those were guys in the same class. And then Devin Witherspoon, I think we hit on two. And all those guys went before the Falcons had a chance to pick. Yep. We also talked about Gonzalez last year. Mm -hmm. Who had a good season, if I'm not mistaken. He was playing great, and then he had a season-ending injury like after yeah, the fifth that's game. that's what I was afraid of. That's, what, that's yeah. what I was afraid of. Red Swarm coming in. He says, happy birthday, Steve. So with a super chat. So thank you very much. Um, appreciate you doing that. want to get to... Uh, want to get to the, the title of the show a little bit, stock up and stock down on the senior bowl guys. Um, 
we hit on a little bit of this yesterday, but I'll start with, you know, if I, again, it's a relative statement. So actually I'm not going to start. I'm going to hand it over to you. You know, two of the, the two highest profile players that were coming into this thing, in my opinion, because they're quarterbacks and they're potential first rounders were Bo Nix and Michael Penix. Where do you think their stock was coming in? Because again, it's a qualifying statement. If you think he was, oh, should he be considered, you know, oh, they're they're being mocked to the Falcons at eight. Okay, then I'll go stock down on that one. I don't I don't want those guys at eight. I don't I don't really want them at 12. But we've seen them back into the first. We've seen them in the second. Okay, now it becomes a little bit more interesting. So let's say I'm gonna set the over under at 20 for their stock coming into the end coming into the senior bowl. Do you think they were stock up or stock down coming into uh coming out of out of senior bowl week if you were set at 20 overall which is mm -hmm. probably a day two grade for folks at home how the grades work uh then do we have stock neutral i mean that's how i tweeted it out yesterday they came in day two grades they leave day two grades neither of them really ran with the situation uh, i think nick's had a pretty good it was was it seven on seven um red zone yesterday scott where uh, he, yeah, he was he was inside the 10 and i text you i was like he was surgical because we had just got done talking yesterday about all right with a guy that isn't showing enough arm strength he's not showing i don't right now i don't know if he's got it because he's not ripping them how is he going to when everything is condensed into into those tight areas in in the red zone how is he going to succeed when he doesn't have as much space he was surgical yesterday. He made three straight touchdown passes, and one of them was just wow in the back corner of the end zone. The that the the, play, the ball placement was just chef's kiss. It was seven on seven though, not eleven on eleven. It was Correct. seven on seven. Mm -hmm. Okay, and that's one of my takeaways for Bo Nix. More so Michael Penix this week, but like, how do you handle pressure? Uh, because both these guys systematically did not face a lot of pressure uh, in the Pacific Northwest this year. Uh, Nix was the least pressured quarterback out of all, I think the top 200 guys in terms of his pressure per drop back. And he had great numbers, but like the, the way the offense works is there's not a lot of reads. They're not asking him to hang tough in the pocket. Can't he do that? So the seven on seven, it's good to see him be accurate and make the right reads there. How does it work when you're combining the reads and getting the ball out with the pass rush and playing, uh, playing in synergy with your offensive line, more concerns there with Michael Penix. Uh, I know that he was, pretty good this season, uh, but really struggled when pressured. And I thought he just took too many sacks in the practices that I watched. And once he, if he hit his back foot and wasn't getting rid of it, it just didn't, it looked like it crumpled on him. So I think I'm probably stock even on Knicks and maybe slightly stock down on Penix. The caveat here with Penix is that because of the medicals and everything, his stock is all over the place. I think his stock is honestly probably closer to 50th overall because of what I've heard from the uh, people I follow and trust uh, about the medicals with Penix. He's going to be off a lot of teams boards, uh, but uh, he also came in so skinny, Scott. I mean, what was he? Six, three, two, 10. He looks, I mean, he looks lanky with that 33, 34 inch arm length. He's, he's a weird body type, uh, but uh, probably stock. He was, even he was six, two and a half two twelve. That's and like really long arms, which is, that's probably one of the reasons his uh, throwing motion looks so odd. Uh, but uh, he's uh, and huge hands too, which is good. But, uh, I think probably stock down if you're setting both at 20 for Penix and stock even for Knicks at 20. Yeah, I, I think at the 20s on that, again, as far as the thrower goes, Michael Penix had probably the best NFL-looking throws. Bo Nix was probably the most consistent through all three days. But again, no pass rush, not really just popping that arm. We talked about it yesterday, like, I look at um, Darius. I don't know what I called him yesterday because I saw a lot of career. Should I call him Demarius or something? Denard. Just a bunch of. Yeah, I don't know what I call it because I saw I, I was like, I saw it in the chat. People were saying Darius, Darius, Darius. And then afterwards, Darius, I'm like, I must have butchered his name, man. A few times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> OK, because uh, apologies, because he's my favorite prospect there. I love defensive linemen. And uh, guys that look like professional wrestlers coming out and move like he does, jumping around on a pogo stick. Darius Robinson. If I go and look at NFL mock draft database, Bo Nix and Michael Penix are in the 30s. They're like 35 and 36. Okay, I might say stock up on that, on, on those guys. At 20, I, I think they should back into the first round, and I'm still going okay, but I'm not saying that's too early. 
Second round, I'm saying, okay, I can live with that. That's that's a that's a decent pick. Uh, Darius Robinson is at like 105 on that, which would be early first, uh, fourth, fourth. I mean, early fourth round. Dude, this guy should go in the first round. He should he should go in the first round. Yeah, so he's he's an odd one still uh, because he is, I think, for edge rushers spe- especially and just skill position guys. But he's too big to be considered just an edge rusher. He's two ninety. That's true. But uh, defensive, this is, he's a six year senior. I think he's going to be 23, 24 years old. And he didn't really pop on the Missouri scene until this year where they moved him from that three technique to uh, more five technique, uh, seven technique stuff. The athleticism is great. I think somebody will take a shot on him in the first round, Scott. But the fact that he had many years of like being looking like Tarzan, playing like Jane until this year, the fact that he is old, uh, went back to Missouri, probably would have been a late round round three guy last year, came back this year. I could see him going from, again, definitely stock up based on what, 104 you said. But I could see him going, I think it's still not out of the question that he could go early round two. Yeah, I'm, I'm, when you say okay, he's 23, but he's he's older like that. Okay, then he he does not need to drop below 50. Yeah, no, no, he no. Just absolutely he just not. absolutely does. And I would I would be real interested in him. I'm sure the Ravens will get him at 28, and we'll wonder how do the Ravens keep getting these guys? Yeah, um, because they take these guys, and they don't worry about those type of things. Or the Chiefs. The Chiefs have been taking these guys here recently too. Oh my God, he was so good down there, and the measurables on him. Darius Robinson, apologies. I. Again, like I said, I uh, I started losing my mind after watching American National two days of all of them and mixing their names together. And yesterday, I had another moment where I'm looking at the defensive line, and I said out loud, and I was like, "I don't remember a defensive tackle from Texas." And Aaron Freeman looks over his shoulder and he goes, "Tavondre Sweat." I'm like, "Yeah, oh. besides that guy, good lord." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like you, dumbass! I told you my brain is fried. It's fried. I'm looking forward to uh, to to settling down and going over all of this stuff over and over again because I don't know what happened to me. My wife said it's it's what happens when you don't eat enough. So maybe it could be sun exposure too. I get a little sun fried. <laughs> could uh, getting old and dumb. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, yeah. Besides the guy that's big enough to have his own gravitational pull that has just been beating the hell out of people. Yeah. Besides that guy, I, I met him. He um, was really good. I did want to give him a shout out. I am concerned that he didn't measure uh, his weight there. Uh, he came in this year at Texas. I think three sixty two is what he was listed at. I, I'm wondering if he's up to three eighty now. Uh, the weight is going to be an issue for him, and if he's going to be a full time player. I thought so. His hands and his leverage in 2023 were better than 2022, but I thought he looked more explosive in 2022, where he was playing probably closer to three forty versus 360. So does he have the discipline mm-hmm. to get down to that 340 and stay there? It's going to be a question for him in terms of his overall pass rush ability. It's going to be a question for his ability to accumulate snaps. Uh, so, I mean, really good player. I think another one probably going to go in the top. I would expect him to come off the board in the 40 to 60 range. Scott, unless he tests unbelievably or measures lighter than I expect, but apparently there's some questions, not not that he's a bad kid, but just some maturity questions for him uh, as well. So, he played really well. Um, a few reps where he got beat, and but then you know was pointed at by the coaches and get, looked like he got mad as hell, and uh, then came back and embarrassed uh, the guy. I can't think of which might have been Arkansas, the Arkansas interior offensive lineman that he just Arkansas. Did Bo Limmer got ragdolled, yeah, on Wednesday, and he kept lining back up. I mean, we talk about the heart, right? Mm-hmm. You got it, Bo Limmer. <clears throat> he's not going to be asked to block. A 360-pound nose guard, one-on-one very often. And he moved in and out, and they moved some other guys in on day three. The offensive line stepped back up in day three. We can get into that one, too. But, yeah, Zach Powers, we'll see if he can jump up that high. Um, You know, if he goes and has a crazy combine, but he was really, really good. But you mentioned another guy, Braden Fisk from Florida State, definite stock up. I I called him Braden Getoff. Uh, while I was watching him, because his first step was so good. Um, the other thing I start, I want to started calling him, see if we can make this stick, was Kingpin, because the uh, Kingpin's real name is Wilson Fisk. So you know, I was like, I was like, let's see if I can find a picture of him with a completely shaved dome, and I'm gonna call him Kingpin. 
Um, so I, I'm a big Mac action fan myself. So I watch a good bit of uh, Mac football. One reason you know, on Keon Mitchell and Toledo and really like to, Toledo's quarterback this year is going to be playing at Baylor next year, but that's beside the point. Uh, watching Maction two years ago, we had our guy Braden Fisk playing at Central Michigan, uh, the Chippewa. It was Central Michigan, not Western Michigan. Uh, yeah, Western think, Michigan's the Broncos. Broncos. I think he was the Central Michigan. I get the, I get the directional schools at Michigan mixed up all the time. Uh, but he was really great. Entered the portal. I knew that uh, Iowa was interested in him, so I made it watch him a bit. I'm like, oh my god, this guy could be good. LSU's after him. Uh, ends up going to Florida State. And man, he's great. Uh, really good get off. A little bit of an older guy again, um, but he plays like it's an older guy. It's going to be more common. Yeah. It, well, it's going to drop back a little bit um, once the COVID years are over. Yeah, not but, the sixth year, but you're going to see more fifth and fourth and fifth year guys. And you're going to see I think, when you can start less. getting paid in college, there's reason to stay in college. I also think you're going to see way less of the small school guys at the Senior Bowl because those guys are going to hit the transfer portal and go to bigger programs before that. That's, that's another conversation. Uh, Fisk, great get off. Um, one thing that I get is, man, he just is, he brings it. Every rep, a lot of intensity. I don't think he is overly powerful or athletic. I don't see a guy who, despite some of the disruption, uh, you know, talking about in the top 50, but mid round three, I think probably for him with the age, uh, he's going to be able to play a role, get after it. And he's going to be an effort player. And a lot of times sacks specifically for the interior defensive line, if you do enough and then continue to bring the effort on it, you're going to get production. Uh, effort really does matter for the interior defensive line. So I think he is going to be, again, a mid-round three pick at the end, and that's a that's a valuable player. I mean, that's a top 100 pick at the Senior Bowl. That's a great guy. Going back to 350-plus pounds of uh, Tavondre. All you think of is, what's Tavondre's last name? Sweat. Sweat. Thank you. I was like, Tavondre, I got all these Wilsons in my head and Robinsons in my head now. Tavondre Sweat. I started thinking, you know, they, they, oh, he's going to wear down at, you know, at that size. Well, of course, you get heavy rotation, and he'll be a a first, second down guy, short yardage guy. But I start thinking of some of those players, and I don't know if they're just legendary because they're big and lovable. But you know, Vince Wolfert, the the, the grave digger, um, Haladi Nada was a big part of what they um, what the Baltimore Ravens did. Um, Vita Vea down in Tampa Bay, those guys are problems. You know, they might be listed at 340, maybe one day, you know, with half a foot on the thing. But those guys are closer to four bills. He can be that type of player. Is there room for that type of player in the NFL? I don't want to spend first round money on him. But, yeah, I can find a spot for a guy like that on my team without a doubt. Yeah. No, he is a <clears throat> he is. Again, I still do worry about the rotation because are you going to take a guy who's only playing 25 percent of the snaps in the mid second round? No, that's, I mean, even though he's a very no. valuable skill set, but that's, that's going to matter. I mean, by a whole round, if he can get that, uh, that weight down and play, you know, 35 to 40% of the snaps rather than 25 to 30. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious about that uh, for him. Conditioning will be big, uh, be able to get on and off the field even, but again, not being measured. We'll see what it comes out at, but you've, I know it was like a late season for Texas as well. So he got to the training for the, draft and everything a little bit later. So maybe he's not exactly where he wants to be, but still that's a red flag for me. when you don't get measured, he played great uh, for the most part. He showed more pass rushing prowess than I had thought he had shown there at Texas. Maybe it's because he's playing next to Byron Murphy. He'll probably be the first interior defensive lineman drafted, uh, but overall a good week for Chavandre sweat. Uh, other interior defensive lineman who stood out for me, uh, hall from uh, both halls. Actually, we got two halls hall from Ohio state and hall from Baylor. Uh, both those guys, I think, played their way into, I think Michael Hall from Ohio State's probably will be a third round pick. And uh, the other Hall from Baylor, probably early four, uh, six, five. Gabe Hall. Gabe. Uh, maybe it's even Gabe Hall Jr. Uh, six, five, 290 with really long arms. If you can get one, I, I'm worried about the ability to anchor and take on doubles. But if you're attacking in a more of a aggressive front uh, where you can get some one-on-ones and have him press a gap, I think he could be a really useful player. Gabe's an outside guy first. He doesn't really know what he's doing. Yeah. He's an intriguing body type, but he looked, you know, we like to say raw. What does raw mean? It means he's kind of all knees and elbows out there and not leverage and technique. Well, that's the stuff you coach. And if he falls down to you and you can use a mid-round pick on him, okay, well, trust my coaches to 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 turn him into something. Um, but Gabe Hall, yeah, definitely one interesting player to watch. Rusty Moore. Coming in with a super chat. Thank you, my friend. He says, what sounds better, sign Russell and draft Turner or trade for Fields and draft Adunze? 
uh, and offer Brian Burns a lot of money. I should, yeah, I should be the GM. Um, hey, you think Brian Burns is going to have to say, I'll sit out before you, you tag me? And then if they do tag him before I play on that tag, if they do tag him, then you're going to have to trade for him. There is a franchise tag coming in Brian Burns' future. I would be so. When I start looking at these top free agents, especially those top DLs, those top edges, I start looking and I'm like, all right, do they have another one, another young guy that they, they need to try and keep? Do I see Grover Stewart and Michael Pittman Jr. on the same team? Uh, the Jaguars have at least one guy too. Josh uh, Allen. They've got Josh Allen, and I thought they had another player. And I'm not counting Calvin Ridley. You do not drop a freaking franchise tag on Calvin Ridley, for God's sakes. Man. Um, but I thought they had two guys. I couldn't remember for sure that that might be interesting. But you got to watch that when it comes down to oh, these guys are free agents. Yeah, but they're gonna freaking tag him. Brian Burns is gonna get tagged, and he's gonna cost you turf two first round picks to try and get. Yeah, I probably get tagged if either of those guys become available, Allen or Burns. You know, somebody's gonna open up the checkbook and make them. And God, they probably end up the highest paid edge rusher in football just because of how the nature is of when you hit the market uh, and the demand for 1A level pass rushers at the edge. But uh, if those guys hit, it'd be great. I mean, talking back to the question, I probably end up going with Fields and Adunze in that scenario just because I think Adunze is a better prospect than Turner. And I think Fields is a better quarterback than Russell Wilson. But I don't think the Russell Wilson and Turner outcome would be bad at all. Um Turner's odd, man. He's a, he's a tough one for me because you see the traits, but he just doesn't really seem like he knows what he's doing. You put on like somebody like Leatu Latu then next to him, who is not the athletic gift guy, definitely not the length or the power, but the ability to string together moves. I mean, if I could give the technique and uh, uh, prow- the pass rush prowess to Dallas Turner, we're talking about a top five overall pick. Uh, but unfortunately, I have not seen that yet. Just more of a raw tools winner at this point. Got the, got the long arm, can do that, but needs to add more. So I'll probably go with the Dunes and Fields out of those options. Yeah, Jordan Brown. Uh, I like this idea because this is the other guy you're thinking of who might be available. I don't know if you tag this guy, but it's Daniil Hunter. Um, go get Daniil Hunter, trade for Fields, and then a Dunesy. This is easy. Yeah, it is. Um, and Rusty, <clears throat> guys that are scheduled to be unrestricted free agents are still eligible to be tagged. So he, he is an unrestricted free agent unless they tag him before. When do they have to decide on that? In February or something before they actually hit free agency? I think so. To, yep. to, to use those tags. But yeah, he's he's still eligible for the tag. Um, I think you can only tag three times. Also, yeah, you're not I, tagging him more than once. I mean, it's yeah. just for the most part. It, and, and it escalates incredibly. A lot. Yeah, yeah it, it escalates the second to third tag. Another thing I have learned. Yeah, yeah you forget about that. Yeah, all right, I'm looking at free agents. They just tagged him. Damn it. Yep. When does he get to leave this hellhole of a team? Never. 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 He's going to be very rich, but uh, never. <clears throat> uh, Sean Carter, thank you, my friend. He says, happy Coast to Coast Friday. That's kind of cool. Hadn't really thought of that, but I knew exactly what you were talking about. So um, so very cool. Um, Keith Brugman asks, he says, Scott, do you remember Joe Maurer, the quarterback prospect became before he became a Hall of Fame catcher? Yes, I do. I think I haven't watched the show. I saw he, he was in the, I don't remember. I, I, it came across an Instagram reel or something I was watching. It's like, oh, you, you never heard of this guy? I'm like, I guess I have. I know all these guys. Um, I think he was going to Florida State. I'm not 100% sure on that. But yeah, I remember Joe Maurer. I didn't watch him in high school. That was a little bit before my time because um, I was. Um, I think my first class was 03, and I think he was a high, in high school before that. But yeah, there was uh, who else? There was a, another kid that came down to Florida State and ended up just like weightlifting his way out. Y'all might remember him. He was a quarterback, and he's like, oh, this guy just set the leg press record at Florida State. Now he's a fullback. Uh, super hype guy like that. Remember Drew Henson, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. So, I know that um, Matt, Matt Holiday, um, really good. I don't know if he's Hall of Fame or not, but really good outfielder for the. The Rockies and the Cardinals for a number of years. He was a really big time quarterback recruit for Oklahoma. And obviously Todd Hilton, longtime first baseman, just inducted to the Hall of Fame. He was a backup quarterback to Peyton Manning at Tennessee. So uh, a lot of cross pollination there. Yeah, the, the fun story on on uh on Todd Helton, I have a few of them actually, because one of my best friends is from Knoxville. But uh <laughs> on that note, one of the uh 
one of the stories on him is like, hey, when did you decide to go full-time baseball, um, Todd? Um, the second I saw that freshman throw a football, and it was Peyton Manning. Because you know? <laughs> he was there. He was already there when Peyton Manning – and I don't remember. They, Tennessee signed two guys, Peyton Manning and someone else. The, the someone else did transfer after that. But um, when the, 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 Todd says, I saw it when uh, – I decided to transfer when I saw Peyton Manning here <laughs> i mean how could you not <laughs> all right um sticking on the quarterbacks i see spencer rattler on nfl mock draft database at 112 i'm going to stock up on spencer rattler on this one and again he was a miserable puke of a human being at oklahoma he's not that same he learned i mean and if he if he didn't he's learned to, to at least hide it um, you know, he's talking about, I saw a quote from him from someone on Twix, you know, saying, uh, you know, what would I tell myself if I could do this over again? I said, I'd, I'd say, you know, be humble. You know, you think you're, you, you've got all this stuff, you're treated like a King and you know, you have to start over. And like I said, the, the, the folks at South Carolina raved about him. He's not all that big, just a shade over six feet tall, but he's got an NFL arm without mm-hmm. a doubt. And if he goes there in the interviews, and again, I told you I was going to watch him. I'm watching after a good play. I'm watching to see his, his offensive lineman come up and hit him on the head. He's going congratulating guys. Um, I think he did a lot of good for himself down in uh, down in Mobile. I don't think any quarterback rose their stock more than Spencer Rattler. And here's a hot take for you, Scott. I would be not totally surprised if Rattler came off the board before Penix just because of the injuries. Uh, the injuries are a big part here, but I think uh, Rattler, if he answered the questions about who he was when he was a, what was he, a 15-year-old kid in that uh, show and uh, the hot shot stuff. Uh, and then he gets a million dollars after his, what, second year and NIL, the first time the NIL hits, and then Caleb Williams shows up at Oklahoma and steals his job. Yeah, which... Not okay. steal, he earned it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. He, he, I mean, he beat him out as a true freshman. I mean, that's... Yeah. Again, we talked Peyton Manning and Joe Maurer. Caleb Williams is special. Spencer Rattler is good. Caleb Williams is special. I think Rattler does have a NFL caliber arm. I think it's probably got a little less juice than I thought it had when I watched him at Oklahoma, but I do Mm -hmm. like the flexibility. He also has a level of arm arrogance that I think you got to pair that with smart and intelligence and knowing when to pick your shots, but it's the NFL. You have to be able to throw guys open and test windows at the same time too. You cannot just be like, I'm waiting for my guy to come open. Well, good luck. Unless you're playing for Kyle Shanahan, good luck if that's who your quarterback is. So I do appreciate that. He had a bad first game, our first day of practice um, at the Senior Bowl, where I was like, man, can't be testing some of those windows or making those decisions. I thought he bounced back emphatically day two. I thought he was probably my favorite quarterback uh, day two out there. And uh, I thought he also had a pretty good day three. I wish he measured a little bit bigger. I think he's an okay, twitchy athlete, but he's, he's smaller than I thought he'd be. Um, but uh, definitely sent me back to the uh, the tape. I think he's definitely somebody who... Definitely has a spot in the league. Uh, I think he'll go day two and uh, could develop into a okay starter. I don't know if I see a quality starter. Probably more likely ends up being a backup in the league. Uh, but there's enough tools there, athleticism, twitch, plus the the overall arm talent, flexibility, the ability to throw off different platforms, different arm slots, uh, enough there for if as long as he passes the character intelligence t- tests in the background, worth a day two shot. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, again, I just didn't see the, the quarterback, like I said, the chin scratcher, you know, let's, let's throw mm-hmm. it back. The, the, the one that makes you go, Hmm, is, is Joe Milton. Yeah. You know, we, you're talking about this, Russell, you want to play GM say, okay, I get, I get Dallas Turner and Russell Wilson. Okay. Or this, or how about then I add Joe Milton in the fourth round, you know, if he's, if he's still around and let him practice and develop because, He's got – I felt like he had the best pure arm out there. He's the biggest. Uh, when he tests, he's probably the fastest. He's got the most the most tools out there. I'd take a shot there. I'd absolutely take a shot. You know, that was the Nick Falcons fans. That was the, uh, you know, the, the Felipe Franks talk. No, 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 no. Watching Felipe Franks at the Senior Bowl, I said, do not even think about drafting this guy. He cannot play quarterback in the NFL. Joe Milton's got the tools to play quarterback in the NFL. No doubt in my mind. Yeah. So he's the guy you'd like as your number three. 
um, for a year or two on a cheap contract and see what happens. Yeah, he's somebody I expect for sure to go. He's going to go in the top 100, Scott. Uh, just the NFL, you can talk about the chin scratchers. I mean, the NFL teams are doing the exact same thing, watching somebody with that size, that arm talent, that athleticism. He's just so inaccurate. Uh, he pretty much only has like, it's like a, I don't know how many baseball games you played back in the day, but they were like pitchers or relievers that had that fastball and everything else sucked. So you just spammed the fastball. That's what he is right now. As as he doesn't have any other clubs in his bag, it's just the laser uh, down the field. And it's not always super accurate. It uh, doesn't have much touch. I don't know about the vision as well. It, despite playing in a pretty wide open, easy conceptual offense of under Hypel at Tennessee. So granted, Tennessee was not flush with wide receiver talent this season, but uh, he's a somebody will take a shot on him because of the tools. I don't know if I'd want to be the team to bet on him. I think I'd want to have a pretty established veteran there where it's just like, okay, we got some extra draft picks. If this hits, God bless, man. That's going to be great. Uh, but I don't think, I, I know I see uh, Rusty Moore also mentioning Anthony Richardson. I think Anthony Richardson had a much more natural arm where he was able to place the ball in areas more consistently where Milton, it's like a little bit more shotgun accuracy there. Uh, also, one thing that made Anthony Richardson incredible was like, despite being an athletic hunting quarterback, he almost took no sacks. It was really, I mean, it's unbelievable. Really good quarterbacks. They can take a lot of pressures, but don't get sacks. Richardson had that ability. Milton, despite his size, puts himself in bad situations where he's not protecting himself and uh, putting himself in a platform to throw the football despite taking pressure. So that's one thing I don't I don't see Richardson one for one. It's not going to be like he's going to talk Milton up to the fourth overall pick this year. It was an easy comp to make, though, sitting there yeah. watching them out there because he's got easy gas. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he throws, he's got a nice, easy motion. And the ball just pops yep, out of his arm, uh, off of his hand. And then, um, you know, he's wearing number five. He's got his, his little, his braids, dreads coming out of the back. I was like, holy, that's an easy comp to say. Anthony Richardson on that one. Um, Keith asked real quick, Scott, do you remember? Oh, no, I already hit that one. It was, uh, I wanted to hit uh, Joe. Where'd you go, Joe? Well, I think I'm going to have to read it. Um, Joe asked, Joe Cannon, good morning, Joe. Great morning, Joe. He says, do you, did you get a chance to watch Frank Gore Jr. last night? Uh, I didn't shrine bowl. No, I didn't watch it. Oh, is that what it was? I'm like, okay. I'm like, was I supposed to <laughs> shrine bowl is on? Yeah. Okay. No, it was. I, uh, no, I was, I drove back last night, did a little work and then went to bed and actually, um, transferred my phone over. I got a new phone. Ooh, congrats. I got the, uh, I got the, the S 24 ultra, my old note, um, had screen burning like two years ago. And when I got it replaced, they put a, they put a new like plastic cover on it and it looks like I've buttered my phone. I'm like, I've got a note two and a note three in my drawer that look better than this thing. So I could not wait to get this, this new phone in. So no, I didn't watch him last night. Um, remember watching his dad though in high school. And that was, you know, I think somebody was hearing some old stories about him this week. It's like, yeah, we think if we can hold him to, under 300 yards or around 300 yards, we got a chance to win this game. <laughs> yeah, Frank Gore was uh, was something else. Um, Mr. Mitchell, defensive back, stock up, I would imagine. Oh yes, absolutely. Kenyon Mitchell <laughs> from Toledo uh, played a lot of off coverage at Toledo, a lot of ball production there. Could he be a press man corner? Does he have the twitch to hang uh, carrying guys vertically off the press? I thought he looked almost better impressed than I ever saw him in zone. Uh, Scott, I thought he, like he powered up. There's like something unlocked in him or something as he got a little bit more physical uh, down the field. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised. I want to see how he tests because that athleticism really does matter for the cornerback spot, but he's right in the thick of thing to be the second cornerback off the board. I think right now we can, I think we can say Terry and Arnold is going to be the first one off the board based on uh, connections in the league and whatnot. Like it's, it sounds like he's more likely to be top, 10 pick than he is cornerback two or anything, but uh, Cooper DeGene, uh, Nate Wiggins, the uh, Quayon Mitchell. I think he's definitely a stock up guy. Also, Jeremy mentions uh, Roman Wilson stock up here. Uh, you also had Lad McConkey. I think Lad McConkey probably stock even. You talk about top, yeah, 50. it was high. His was high anyway. It's yep. like, how can you not have Lad McConkey stock up? Because again, it's relative. Mm-hmm. Lad McConkey made it look easy. Yep, that's the that's the, the best thing I can say about Lad McConkey out there is. It's like whenever they were doing one-on-ones or seven-on-sevens, it was like, okay, this is a completion because the quarterbacks were good enough to get in the ball, and if you got it close to him, he was going to catch it, and he was getting a yard of separation every 
single time. He made it look easy. He made it look easy. Uh, Loud McConkie did. So stock even because he's already a top 35. You think he can go top 40? I think probably 50. Um, the thing with McConkie is a little smaller and he's had some injuries. So, I mean, he's been good, but I think that it, considering the unbelievable level of talent um, in this year's class, I think probably closer to 50 overall. I see Bobby Means ask, is Egbuka draft eligible? Egbuka, along with like half the Ohio State roster, is returning to Columbus this year. Uh, Ohio State had their most profitable collective NIL day uh, in program history the day after Michigan won the championship. So they're bringing back Jack Sawyer, Tumilata, uh, Burke. They're a good, really good uh, cornerback. Uh, one of their interior defensive linemen, uh, Tavondre Henderson, their running back, who would have been the first running back drafted this year, I think, is going to be back. Uh, they brought in another really good running back, uh, Egg. Ebukam is back. Ebuka is back as well. Uh, so I, I think that's what you're talking about here, Bobby Means. Um, and yeah, Ricky Pearsall, that's the other name there. I was going to say Pascal. Ricky Pearsall, good call, Jeremy Sean. Stock up. I did want to get, I know we're getting a little long here, Scott. We still have other guys we want to talk about. Interesting question I saw, though, from, oh gosh, who was it? Somebody asked, most likely to be a Hall of, here it is, Keith Brugman. That was Keith, yep. Uh, ask who's most likely to be a Hall of Famer in this class, uh, non-quarterback. The obvious answer is Marvin Harrison Jr., I have kind of maybe a spicy one here for you, though, Scott, that you might – we haven't talked about this guy yet, but, the, okay, positions with not a lot of great players, maybe a chance to be the best player at their spot and a little bit of a different talent and maybe now has the draft pedigree to get that Q rating uh, for a Hall of Fame campaign. JPJ, Jackson Powers yep. Johnson. I, I'm Go ahead, the floor is yours, but I think this yeah, is the guy I said that, that yesterday, you know, um, at center. You know, is how high is too high for a center? This guy is, you know, I bet Creed Humphrey's, what, three-time Pro Bowler now? Mm -hmm. You know? So this guy was significantly ahead of, at the same stage, because I went, I saw Creed at the Senior Bowl. I was like, okay, I like this guy. I love this guy, Jackson Powers Johnson. How high is too high if you were to get a center, a Hall of Fame center? I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, you should say... You can't. <laughs> no. It's not. There isn't anything too high for him. Now, how high will he go? I don't know. Um, but if you were to take him 10, and I'd say, yeah, the thought process here is you're trying to get a, a, a Hall of Famer. You make the Pro Bowl 10 years out of 12, out of 15, and, and have a career like that, you're probably going in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, this he is, is a guy who could come in and be a top three center from day one and make... 10 Pro Bowls. Yeah. Jackson Powers Johnson. He's been awesome. Uh, only started one first year at center this year. Uh, I guess, you know, the, the, how he played was great. He did have an injury at the senior bowl, pull, call, causing him to pull out day three. Uh, concerns with me with him right now. The sub 32 inch arm length, I believe, is what he was at, which you don't. I mean, I know he's into your offensive line, but you don't love that uh, still. Um, and my other concern is some of the snap. Uh, ball placement in shotgun. I thought the ball was down low too often, uh, turf in it a few times, but man, Scott, he dominated the one-on-ones. The, the way the one-on-ones work is it is so slanted and tilted to favor the defensive lineman. Cause a lot of times you have help as an interior offensive lineman. And also you have a direction where you're funneling these guys. No, that's one-on-one. These guys can kind of freestyle it, uh, the pass rushers and go any which way. JPJ was able to stay on guys at center. He was able to stay on them at guard. Uh, first year starter at center this year played some uh, right guard the year before uh, four former four star. I think it was the number one overall center recruit in football uh, the year he came out. Nice as job well. scouting services. Yeah. And the thing that makes him different is his size. You know, we had t- the last highly drafted center was from University of Isler, Tyler Linderbaum, who's just an unbelievable athlete, uh, better athlete than JPJ and a really good fit for a wide zone scheme. The ability to, you know, hit say, I mean, safeties, let alone linebackers. Uh, pretty incredible, but you have JPJ with like 45 pounds on him, uh, just a totally different body type. And because of that strength, he has the ability to recover and anchor unlike almost any center I've seen. So a uh, really, really talented player. Um, and which uh, should be somebody that I think is going to go end up going top 20. Uh, we had Frank Ragnow go top 20. I think Tyler Linderbaum went 24 or something like that. JPJ is going to go somewhere in the top 20, 25. And he's the answer for me that comes to me about uh, a Hall of Famer uh, in this class. He might be one. The other one that comes to mind, Jeremy Sean brings up, is uh, Brock Bowers. It's pretty hard uh, to say tight end just because 
the historical precedent for tight end being drafted early and hitting. Uh, but Bowers is, looks like a pretty damn special athlete. Does sound like Chargers at five, maybe. I wouldn't bust out the pen yet, but I have the pen ready. Uh, maybe not at five, actually. Let's just say Chargers, but maybe not at five. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on that one. But he's the other one that came to mind for me. Yeah, and, and the thing is, we start talking, Michael's talking, you know, Malachi Corley. Malachi Corley was great. He starts talking the receivers, and it's, well, stock up, stock up, stock up, stock up. The, the receiver is deep this year. I've heard it was deep. And how many of the top first-round receivers were even here, Nick? There was not a singular first-round. Uh, let me. I'm sorry, let me rephrase. How many of them, how many receivers are projected to go in the first round that weren't there? Five? Uh, between Six? five to seven. Yeah. So we're talking about, you know, the top seven receivers aren't even there. And we had players at this at this uh, event that were really good. Roman Wilson was really good. Uh, Jacob Cowing had his Ricky Pearsall was me, probably most valuable receiver, um, you know, the first two days. And then he, he took off, kind of had a mic drop and said, look, out of Florida. Luke McCaffrey had the best catch of the day yesterday. I'll, I'll have that for you all here soon, too. Uh, it was like one of those up-in-the-air, graceful, snag toe taps in the corner of the end zone. Brendan Rice is on a lot of people's best performers list. Out of USC, was terrific. Um, Tez Walker, UNC, was he was a roller coaster. His highs were high, his lows were low. He needs a little bit more uh, consistency. Malachi Corley, out of West, uh, out of... Um, out of Western Kentucky looked really good. He he was probably the best guy on day one from, from that team. Then I, I flip over to to the other team. Um Marcus uh Rosemi, Jack Saints, it's an interesting name. Out of UGA had a behind the back one-handed catch yesterday. Jamari Thrash was incredible. Ryan Flornay had a bunch. Johnny Wilson, six foot six, two hundred and forty pounds of, of grace out there. Um I thought uh, you haven't mentioned it. We haven't talked about him at all, but uh, Javon Baker from UCF caught my eye a good bit as well with the frame that he had. If you're looking for a, a day two X receiver option, um, I think he's definitely a choice. I mean, only six one, but two ten. Uh, he plays he plays big. So I think I thought he had a pretty good time too. Did want to give him a shout out. Yeah, it was again. I could mention, and I'll have highlights on all of them. It'll be kind of fun because they all had their moments where they did really well. Um, linebacker Peyton Wilson. Um, again, it's it's hard for <clears throat> it's hard for linebackers to do anything. It's a Some trash linebacker. Flashed too, caught the ball well and, and did well in team, but it's it's tough. It's tough. I don't spend nearly as much time there with my video camera. It's a horrible linebacker class too. Um, the one name to keep in mind as far as if there's any guy who could maybe break the first round, Edger and Cooper out of Texas A&M just because he's just traits, traits, traits. Uh, but other than that, I mean, Jeremiah Trotter Jr., probably day two, day, two, day three. Peyton is smaller and had some injuries. I it's, Also, you have, uh, oh gosh, Junior Colson from Michigan could also end up being a uh, day two, solid day two pick at linebacker. But it's just, it's a really bad linebacker uh, class this season, unfortunately. Um, Any tight ends? Yes. Um, I don't know where their stock is coming in. Um. Theo Johnson, Penn State looked pretty good. And then uh, there was one every time I'd look over, I'd be watching the one-on-ones and I'd look over at the seven-on-sevens and here comes this maroon helmet making a good catch. And it was a, a hyphenated name. Revan Span Ford, I thought, had a had a good had a good go at it out there. I don't know much about him, but he was one of those guys, I'm like, like I said a little bit about Ladd McConkey. Like, okay, here's um here's Minnesota lined up. Here's here's maroon helmet. Lining up, here comes a catch. It was just, he, he was automatic. Um, Big player, um, Minnesota, older. I thought he was going to come out last season. Uh, has a chance to be a tight end three. Can get some wide look as well out there. Not really much of a separator. I think plays a little, you know, tight Frankenstein-like, unfortunately, sometimes. Uh, but somebody's going to have a role just because of the size. I uh, thought he struggled a lot more at drops this year at Minnesota uh, than years prior. So, uh Maybe came out a year later than he should have, but it's a we- much weaker uh, tight end class this year, so maybe not. Uh, Theo Johnson was the guy that I wanted I to point out there. I got, I've got. i spent most of my morning just trying to get a roster in in a way that I can find things when I want them in a spreadsheet instead of trying to flip back all the time. I can't find him to see what he even measured. 
Um, six six and a half, two seventy. Holy for holies! Yeah, he's big, stiff <sighs> but big. Almost 30, uh, 33 and a quarter arm length. Uh, Brevin Spanford again. I thought he was coming out uh, the twenty twenty three class. Didn't end up that way. Uh, I did also want to give a shout out to uh, Jared Wiley at TCU. Uh, six six two fifty three, and I thought Ben Sinat, uh, Kansas State, is a little ben bit Sinat more. Sinat had uh, some nice catches too. Yeah, he's a little bit more of an H back, mm-hmm. uh, F tight end type, uh, but he had a good time as well. So there's um there's some not a really good tight end class this year, especially compared to last season. Uh, but there are definitely some guys here who are going to be useful players. Uh, we didn't really get into the offensive and defensive lines that much, except for um, you know, a couple of the top guys. So. Want you to uh, to check it out. Someone, I think uh, Roy asked me on uh, on Facebook says, "Where can I find your se- Senior Bowl coverage?" I'm putting every. I put most of the videos on Facebook, but they're harder to find once they scroll off on uh, Facebook.com/slash Scott Kennedy Sports. But I will put all of them on YouTube.com/slash Scott Kennedy. So I'll be going through some of the skill players today. I will cut up individual offensive and defensive line linemen next week. You can see them all in one on ones now. In fact, uh, the day twos, if you see one that says day two highlights, those have like 50 reps in there. So plenty in there for you to go see. Um, Give it a like, give it a share, all that kind of stuff. Tell a friend. Um, We have any last words before we get out of here, Nick? Uh, I just did want to do some stock up. I think the offensive line was probably the best overall unit uh, out here this week. I uh, wanted again, we talked about Jackson Powers Johnson probably firmly solidified himself as a uh, round one pick. I thought that uh, Charles Turner from LSU had a good week. Isaiah Adams from Illinois, uh, pretty good yesterday, in my opinion. Christian Haynes from, uh, I don't know if he's going to end up a guard. He might get center, but he was awesome uh, this whole week. He's older as well, but his uh, combo blocking drills with uh, Tyler Guyton, who also stock up this week, were fantastic uh, those two guys working together in tandem and I'm i can get a lineman until he's 36 37 years old yeah that's true uh but mm-hmm. he might already be kind of where he's at it's, it's more about like yeah, how but, many so you stats. better like him now you know you yep. gotta like him now yep but i thought haynes is really interesting he's somebody given his height maybe he ends up a, ce- a center in the end you know he's under six three but he has almost 34 inch arm length i mean he was he was so fun this week. Uh, christian haynes he was getting under guys skin as well i thought uh, dominique pooney had a good week uh Kind of a little, definitely more of a guard, in my opinion, in the end. Uh, Talese Fuaga answered the bell. He might be the highest drafted player coming out of um, out of this. Christian Jones, probably he listed his tackle. I think he's going to be a guard. He looked pretty stiff to me. Uh, couldn't play tackle if you needed him to. Uh, stock up for me. And uh, Roger Rosengard from Washington. Rosengarten uh, had a good week. Got stocked down for me out of the guys at offensive linemen. I thought somebody had a chance to really solidify themselves as a good player this week that just did not show the... <sighs> The distance, the ability to cover enough ground, and I thought played much more like a guard than a tackle. Josh uh, Jordan Morgan, I had, was hoping more from Morgan out of Arizona this week. A lot of people thought he could end up being a first-round caliber tackle. I didn't see that when I watched him this week. I see a, a day two, and it could be a really good guard, but I don't know if I saw left tackle. I don't know if I saw day one with him in this class. You mentioned the offensive line. I'm going to shout out the defensive line. Um, from the American team, I, I wish it was still north-south. <laughs> I think it's from the American team. When Darius Robinson, Tavondre Sweat, and Brand and Braden Fisk lined up together, they the offense was overwhelmed. They they just it was when they lined up in teams, those guys were game wreckers. One of them was getting through uh the the straight bull rush, the quickness and first step from Fisk, and the total package from Robinson. Those guys, those three, wrecked the offensive line. They they basically was like, okay, we're gonna have to move these guys out of here to, to run any team. So um, keep an eye on those guys for sure. Um, we're gonna get out of here. Uh, thank you everybody for showing up. I know it was it was a little bit late notice. I, I wasn't gonna go. I needed my workout buddy here. Um, I want to say a special thanks to our sh- our superstars who came in, like Sean Carter. Uh, Rusty Moore a couple of times, Red Swarm, Darius Mayfield, Edward Brown, Chase Wellner. Go to your home. Why won't you go home? Quentin Caldwell and kicking us off with the big red hot John Harrell. Thank you so much. Guys, keep it locked on these channels. We'll be back on Monday, but I'm going to have video coming out all day today. 
Uh, I space them about about every two hours, so the 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 algos you know don't don't punish me too much. Um, but every two hours, I'm probably going to start with some wide receivers, so there will be some quarterback stuff in there too. Um, and then uh, I, I saw a request. I do requests from Jeremy saying he wanted to see the the Bo Nick seven on seven. So we'll see if we can get to that. Um, those quarterback files end up being about five minutes and two gig. They take a little bit more time. Uh, but I can get to them. But I uh, want to thank everybody for being here. Uh, it's been a great month. I just got my YouTube analytics notice. Said, this is your best month ever. Thank you in January. Most subscribers, most views. Thank you. Thank you to all of you. We're going to get out of here. Y'all have a great football weekend. And we will see you on Monday. <laughs>